The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome back to The Other Wrestling Show. Uh, We're back after a mini hiatus. My life is very busy lately. Uh, And as a result, we have not had the opportunity to record. It is 100% my fault. So I I don't know necessarily that because I did have a move the week after Double or Nothing where I didn't even have internet until like the an hour and a half before dynamite <laughs> so i mean that's true but the only time i could have recorded was that wednesday after dynamite and then it was like full-on trying to finish up my week which was a very busy week at work and then i left on vacation for a week and so i didn't watch wrestling at all while i was on vacation yeah i had a lot of stuff from last week's <laughs> stretch of wrestling that i had to be like i'm gonna talk to joel but i don't know if he's watched it yet (laughs) yeah so i got back in town and i was like all right i have a rampage a dynamite and another rampage to catch up on Mm -hmm. before dynamite uh and so like i didn't have any time this weekend to really even get started on it because i got back in town and had some family stuff and i'm getting ready to move so (laughs) you know it's it's just a lot just a lot going on so well let's kick it off with a lightning round we're gonna catch on a lot of topics today lightning round so So, mike since you've been waiting to like (laughs) talk about things why don't you go first well the thing i wanted to talk to you about is something that it's a little controversial you know what the the will osprey showing up last week but let's save that for a little bit later in the show and let's go with something that was really fun and as bad as the jeff hardy situation what has been and you know hopefully he'll get the treatment that he needs and then come back better but i'm really glad the main event last night was just jurassic express versus the young bucks it felt bigger i also just the way that that match was i don't know how you include the hardys without slowing it down um you know what what we love about jungle boy and the young bucks and even luchasaurus is that they're just very agile very they move really quickly and they move like in and out of the ring very smoothly. And I just think 40 something year old Hardy boys would have slowed this down. And I texted you last night that it felt like a bigger deal for Jurassic Express that this was a one on one, you know, ta- tag team title match against the Bucks, who are with FTR, probably the gold standard of tag team wrestling right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's flavors, right? You've got. Uh, there are three teams that immediately leap out to me and it's the young bucks it's ftr and it's the usos and i think like those three teams in terms of like mainstream american wrestling because Mm -hmm. i know there are some amazing teams in japan i don't watch that stuff anymore i just don't have time um and then i i honestly don't have time to watch the independence either it's the the trouble of having like 17 hobbies and, and trying to engage <laughs> with all of them. Uh, yep. But in terms of like the two major North American promotions, those three teams really stand out. And it's about what do you want, right? Because you have FTR that is this like straight up, I'm just going to whip your ass, technical mm-hmm. wrestling and brawling style. You have the Bucks that's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. The flippity Where it's all the high flying, innovative <laughs> offense creative flippity doos and and then the usos are kind of in the middle right where they can totally do the you know 
hard-nosed, whoop-ass style, but they also have some high-flying ability. And I know that FTR can do high-flying stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Don't get on my case about that. No, 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 no. Uh, they just choose not to, which is fine. Yeah, it's... So yeah, the, I thought this match was really fun. The, the spots in it, just the way that Jungle Boy moves, like, too. Like, there's some stuff in this match where I'm just like, yeah, Jungle Boy's a stud. And, and Joel, part of my double or nothing predictions which did i win that i think i won that oh who knows that was a while ago i'm gonna say i won it but anywho one of my things about i wanted the uh, lucha express to drop the titles lucha express jurassic express fuck uh one of the reasons i wanted them to drop the titles is that i feel it's time for jungle boy to do something different you know as a pillar you know he's pretty much been in a tag team his his entire time in aw he's had some moments you know he won the battle Royal at the pay-per-view last year. Um, he's had some moments where he's had big matches, but he hasn't had that like orange Cassidy defeating Chris Jericho match. He hasn't had the Sammy Guevara, you know, um, Cody Rhodes match, you know, that Sammy had earlier this year. MJF has obviously been in some big things. So the way that this match ended and the post match antics is what I'm really excited about. And Christian Cage turning heel and just absolutely obliterating Jungle Boy with that concerto. And I don't know if if you saw the clips that they post online afterwards with like Christian yelling at his family, like you raised a piece of shit. Yeah. Devious, evil Christian Cage is one of the best things in pro wrestling. And this feud, like if they want to write Jungle Boy off of TV for a little bit because of the concerto. Have Christian and Lucha Lucha Soros have a little program here over the next few months where Christian Cage just like beats the shit out of the bigger guy and give me this feud, dude. It's gonna be great. Christian can turn anything and make it special. And yeah. Oh, I love heel Christian Cage. He's at a really great stage in his career right now in terms of his command on the microphone. And knowing what he can do in the ring, like he just he moves really well. He's not going to try anything that he can't pull off and make look convincing. Um, He's not out here trying to, you know, prove his bona fides like the dude knows who he is as a professional wrestler. And I Mm -hmm. think that goes a long way toward his matches just being really compelling and fun. And I do think to your point, like, there's a lot of different directions they can go with this feud and it'll be interesting to see which path they choose to go down. And uh, I think we're going to be happy with the results any way you slice it. So. I mean, Captain Charisma's back, baby. Like this is, <laughs> give me the, give me the captain. And you know, he doesn't have his Tyson Tomko right now, but man, let him turn Luchasaurus into his 2022 Tyson Tomko. And let's just now, get there's the a name I haven't going. heard in a long uh-huh. time. Yeah. <laughs> his, you know, is part of the Christians coalition, man. Like, gotta love Tyson Tomiko. So yeah, I'm just really excited for this. I think it's a great, great program, A for Christian. Also, just a great way to elevate Jungle Boy even more. Like the title run's been nice, but part about being a single star is having stories that don't include the belt. And I thought the feud against the elite last year was really good towards the end of the year, but he needs something that's kind of just him. So yeah, but Joel, I, we, we've talked about this main event and um, I guess let's t- touch real quick. The significance of the young bucks having title reign number two, you know, 
As our, our first repeat tag team champions, we've had repeat TNT champions a few times over. Um, so, you know, this feels significant, especially with Moxley to kind of jump around here, challenging for the interim mm-hmm. AEW championship. It feels like he could potentially be the first two time AEW champion, depending on how you want to count the lineage. But fuck it, whoever has Mm -hmm. the belt at the moment, whether they're interim or not, it's still a championship. So, you know, I think we're getting into that zone where AEW is coming up on their three year dynamite anniversary this October. So we've been doing this shit for a while now. It's time that champions can start, you know, getting the belts over again which isn't to say that there aren't still a ton of people on the roster that I would like to see with the belt, mm-hmm. but I think it's good because if we don't have duplicated title reigns for so long, you start to feel like it can't happen and it takes a lot yeah. of intrigue out of matches. So like the first feud after somebody wins a title, they don't drop the belt. So it kind of takes the intrigue out of it mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think it's, it's helpful as we start to have some of those rules that have been a part of AEW booking start to get broken. Um, I think that helps to create a little bit more suspense and a little bit more intrigue, um, which is not to say that I'm complaining about what the booking has been by and large. I've really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but um, I do think this is a helpful thing. It adds a level of unpredictability to it. You know, it's how we talked about like, man, we, we kind of need a title reign. That's short a few, you know, I think this was like this time last year, like all the title reigns have been, pretty pretty long you know so knowing that every title match could result in a title change is is important um and one thing i think too is that it's good that you know you're kind of leaning on guys that you know can deliver john moxley the young bucks um especially moxley right now with the injuries you know with no cm punk right now mjf off tv for the time being danielson hasn't been on tv in a while omega's gone like it's good and it's it's good to have a John Moxley in your back pocket. You're like, okay, let's get him back into the title picture. He's a legit contender. Um, people will take him seriously. And you don't feel like there's gonna be you want the interim champion to be, you know, someone that you can take seriously. You know, that when Punk comes back, you have a marquee matchup. And I think with the two men in the uh, interim championship match at the Forbidden Door, either of them would bring the intrigue and respectability that you would want from that. And let's kind of shift over this. I really want Tanahashi to win this match and be our interim AEW champion because I just think that would be such a cool look for a wrestler with his kind of legacy to be able to say, like, hey, I held the AEW championship, even if it's for... Say say Punk's ready by July. Say it's like you know end of July. Punk's ready to come back. The plan was Punk Tanahashi. You know that was the money match, and you can tell me that could be on a dynamite later this summer. Like that'd be great. But it feels like it will be Moxley. But I don't know. I think there's just something cool about having you know a guy like Tanahashi holding the big belt for a while. I agree. I'd love to see it. I don't know how they would work that out with the g1 schedule like he's in the g1 so like i feel like if tony khan was like hey we want to put the belt on your like biggest star they they could figure something out or like okay maybe we have tanahashi stay in the u.s for 
the summer and maybe some of these guys, you know, that AW wanted to keep over here, they send over there for like the G1 because, you know, you you said yourself the only what Lance Archer is really the only AEW guy yeah. in the G1 this year. Like, OK, go take Moxley for a few weeks. Moxley worked it before and loved it. Get revenge on uh, is Toru Yanu <laughs> in this year's G1. He can get his revenge. I don't know if Yano's in it or not, um, <laughs> but at any rate, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, I suppose, main events of Forbidden Door is shaping up to be pretty compelling and interesting. Uh, let's stick with Forbidden Door a little bit, and uh, this is kind of talking about a match from last night's Dynamite, but also just the title situation in general. We're getting a women's championship match at Forbidden Door between Tony Storm, who just got a big win over Britt mm-hmm. Baker, and uh, Thunder Rosa. And to my knowledge, this is the first time these two will have squared off, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, two really, really talented wrestlers and uh, people that I'm definitely interested in seeing in this kind of environment. Um, so I think it'd be pretty sweet to see that match. And I I'm curious what your thoughts are. Uh, Cause I'm kind of a of divided mind on this. Do you feel like Thunder Rosa is in a spot where we could potentially see a title change or do we feel like there's not a lot of intrigue in this match? I, I think it's kind of with the whole forbidden door pay-per-view in general, I actually got in a little bit of a Twitter exchange with our boy from back in the day, Nick Costas, from uh what oh, <laughs> what was that um what podcast was he on uh, uh in this see, corner right it was the one on with uh brian campbell yeah, right in this corner in this corner okay whatever it was wasn't it um i the because they called it itc yeah yeah with he, brian um, campbell yep he was kind of like saying oh he doesn't feel a lot of you know the build hasn't been great and he's like oh i without, agree with that yeah anybody was talking about like without omega what's the point of doing this i'm like well this is going to be a workman's rate pay-per-view. It's mm-hmm. you're doing a crossover show with wrestlers who don't, you know, see each other on a weekly basis. The build is hard when you have a company halfway around the world that you're trying to uh, promote the show with. So how I look at the Forbidden Door is, yeah, the stories may be lacking and they're trying, you know, they're getting some stories up and running right now. But for me, it's the, dream matches it's the crossover it's the in-ring work that's really going to set this apart from other pay-per-views so when it comes to tony storm and thunder rosa yeah these two women can put on a five-star match if they're given time and the fact that you know the crossover showed there's not really a woman's promotion involved and njpw doesn't have a women's division so i feel like they're going to want to make sure that this match gets time because it's probably going to be maybe one of two women's matches on the entirety of the card. So I'm very interested in this match. I really think these two can tear the house down and talking about title reigns and how long they last. No, I do think Thunder Rosa could lose this belt. I even with a short build, um, her championship brain hasn't clicked a lot for me in terms of everything. You know, her match with Serena D was excellent. Um, but her, you know, it just hasn't really gotten the focus. And we know Tony Storm is kind of their their biggest signing of the last few years up in the women's division. So, like, I could easily see where Rosa drops this to Storm. But to me, it really just 
give us a great match. Doesn't really matter if there's a title change. They can always run this back later. Um, I think you could run into the same trap you did with Ruby Soho, where she lost in the, you know, she won the battle Royal, lost her title match, got to the finals of the tournament, lost the tournament. Um, but I just think that, I don't know. I just don't think that's going to happen with Tony storm. Cause I just feel like they see her as a bigger deal. Yeah. I'd like to see her get the belt here. Um, and I have a lot of different thoughts about it, but one of the things that sticks out to me is it feels like we need to hit the reset button with Thunder Rosa. Uh, yeah. This title reign has been miserably booked. Uh, despite being the champion, I feel like she's had less TV time than both Britt Baker and Tony Storm uh, since Tony debuted. Uh, Jade Cargill definitely feels like a bigger deal than Thunder Rosa at this point. Of course, I mean, Jade Cargill feels like a bigger deal than bigger pretty deal much than anybody everyone. in the company <laughs> at this point. Um, but I think like the Jade Cargill problem is real for everyone in the women's division. As long as she's holding that belt, uh, then the, the AEW Women's Championship is going to feel like second tier to the TBS Championship. And I know there have been times previously where we felt the same way about the TNT Championship. So like it's not a mm-hmm. bad problem to have. Uh, but it is something where I feel like, you know, I know they don't want to break Jade's undefeated streak, but what if she were to like, quote unquote, cash in the TBS title, you know, X division style. Um, Oh yeah. Forgot about that little condition. (laughs) You know, I I think that would be a really cool way to go um, and stop focusing on the wins and losses, like, or, or sorry, the streak for Jade Cargill and start focusing on like how long she's held the belt and like, Mm -hmm. or put a number in place. Like, Hey, after I get to 50 and Oh, I'm done with this thing. I'm cashing it in. I want the main prize. I do think there's a level of badassery saying, okay, I need to, I am moving on to bigger and better things like Mm -hmm. dropping the belt because I've wiped the floor with the TBS television, like challengers yeah, and well, and, and like I'm something Jade that doesn't happen deserve, in pro yeah. wrestling. Like, yeah, you know, it could be different. It could be unique. And I, I agree with the Thunder Rosa thing. I, I think there is a, it's a tough thing when you have a, a baby face who has the very long title chase mm-hmm. where it takes a long time and they finally get there and it's a big moment. It's hard to keep that momentum going. I, it's similar to how I feel, too, with Wardlow right now. He had this long, long story with MJF. And now it's like, now what? Um, a similar championship reign that I feel like is Eddie Guerrero. He had the championship. He finally got it. He had his big WrestleMania moment. And then it was almost immediately over. It's like, okay, you're actually kind of, maybe you're better without the belt and you're better in a chasing role. So, um, yeah, I do think something needs to, to something needs to change with, with Thunder Rosie here. Cause it's just not, not clicking. And I don't, I don't feel it's her fault. I just no, feel I, like, I, I think it's straight up. TV time. I think that's the biggest thing. It's hard to feel like a big deal when we barely see you. And, and it, I, 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 we, I have no numbers on this, but it does feel like we've seen more of it. Break Baker without the title. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Thunder Rosa with the title, which I get. We didn't want Britt Baker to fall to the wayside, but she won the Owen. Like, like she's she's a star. It doesn't matter if she's on TV every week either. So, um, yeah, there's definitely some some questions they have to to answer there but um yeah let's 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 move on uh joel the uh one of the things that we that came up when we were on our limited mini hiatus uh the all-atlantic championship um 
kind of interesting. A dumb name. <laughs> I I is the women's version of this title eventually going to be the All Pacific Championship? So let's let's like, just take a hot second, okay? Did you did you look at the flags that are on? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> they're not like I think like they're not. They don't the touch six. the Atlantic. Yeah, they don't touch the Atlantic Ocean. What are we doing here? It's 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 the Intercontinental Championship without calling it the Intercontinental Championship. It just like what? Like well, let's the look, Japanese okay. flag is on there, isn't it? And the Australian flag or the Chinese flag? Like there's. There's a, there's Chi- more Chinese than one flag, flag, Japanese flag, but then it's Mexico, Great Britain, U.S. and Canada. I mean, I don't re- like the name itself doesn't really I don't really care. It's like everything else. Like, we'll stop paying attention. I still think all elite wrestling is a really stupid name, but <laughs> like I've stopped paying attention to it. So yeah. like it's Universal true. It doesn't actually matter. Really dumb we, at first. We will stop paying attention to it after a while. It doesn't matter that yeah. much. But like in this moment right now, as we're looking to crown the first all Atlantic champion, <laughs> it sounds really freaking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think the belt is gorgeous looking. Like, I think it's a really nice looking belt. Um, I do like the fact that it's, it's pretty much all international competitors, except for apparently Clark Connors, who got added now everyone else um, is international. And I kind of wonder if they're like, they're going to use this belt, like with other promotions that they have partnerships, like say, you know, Ethan or sorry, say Miro's the holder and he wants, they want to send him over to the UK and do like a show with like Rev Pro or something. Okay. Well, Miro's going to bring the all Atlantic championship and defend it on a Rev Pro show, or you bring a Rev Pro show talent over to defend, like to challenge for it. Like, sure. I mean, they have plenty of utility. Uh, yeah, and they haven't explicitly said that it's like an international title because that would be kind of weird. But um, my question is, Joel, do you think we really needed another men's singles title? Nope. Because let's take a rundown here. We have we have the AEW Championship. We have the TNT Championship. We have the Ring of Honor Championships. So that's the Ring of Honor Championship, the Ring of Honor Pure Championship, um, TV Championship. Which they're not getting major TV time, but they're still championships that we've seen on TV recently. And we've had something with the FTW championship on and off over the last two years. It just seems like the trios belt is what everyone was expecting when that video came up that we're announcing new title. And, you know, I have a theory that the CM Punk injury played into that belt not being released now because it really felt like CM Punk and FTR were starting something you know they they had they came out and celebrated with him after he won the title mm-hmm. they were in the trios match on that wednesday and it really seemed like if you're gonna bring this belt hey those three guys make sense and then there's a an, a comment from like last year i think or earlier this year where tony Khan was basically like yeah i'm not doing that until kenny's back because <laughs> it's like it's something that you could easily see kenny and the young bucks being the inaugural champion so yeah um i think that's what we all want you know, there's talks of a women's tag team championship at some point, but it's the same issue with WWE. If you're not going to give them the time and develop right. teams, don't bring the titles in because it's just going to be wasted. So I don't really know what other options there are other than those two things. And, you know, titles are a prop. If this is just the all Bulgarian title that Miro gets to carry around <laughs> for the next year, I'm OK with it. I'm OK with it because Miro deserves gold. So, I mean, 
it doesn't do anything for me beyond having this cool fatal four-way match at the pay-per-view like beyond that to me it's it's not going to be any different than the ftw championship which is like just a prop and it's just a prop but i know most titles are just a prop but the tnt and tbs championships the aw men's and women's championships those feel like a bigger deal mm-hmm. and like what distinction are we making between any of these belts? Cause like, that's one of the challenges, right? So in, in the other wrestling company, you always had like, who's the biggest draw, who's the biggest star. And that's the person who's going to hold the, you know, the World main belt. Yeah. And then who's the best worker. And, and that's kind of where you had the intercontinental championship. Mm-hmm. The young up and comer was usually the person with the U S championship you know, there's been like some clear distinctions between like who's the kind of talent that can hold this belt. And a lot of times it also had to do with like size. People who are more cruiserweight sized mm-hmm. were far more likely yeah. to have intercontinental and U.S. title runs than people who were legit heavyweights. Well, AEW doesn't have that kind of distinction, especially if someone like Miro is your first all Atlantic. Like, is that <laughs> is this now our heavyweight belt? Because, yeah. you know are people like Miro and Keith Lee going to compete for this? Mm-hmm. Like it, it just, it's either the size or like, even like the rules of the match itself. Like the pure championship yeah. is only wrestled under pure rules. I dig the, that. The hardcore championship was wrestled in hardcore style matches. Mm-hmm. Um, even the 24 seven belt has a gimmick. It can be won at any time. And when so, it was introduced, they did a lot of really fun segments with yeah. that. I don't know if yeah. they're still doing anything fun. I don't know now, but belt, yeah, the first like watch six, anymore, but the first six months of the 24 seven belt were really fun and they had some really creative stuff. Um, so it's, if there's no gimmick and there's no size, then it's just a third title. And you know what? My least memorable titles have always been the TV title. Cause what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Like, it's like, I mean, I think it's also a thing where this could actually be a net negative because now you have another belt that demands time. And it's on the men's side, which means that we now have, you know, one, two, three, four major men's championships that need to be given time and attention. And like, how does that affect the already poor balance between men's and women's content on their weekly programming? Uh, Yeah, Tony Khan did come out and say in an interview when asked about the amount of titles last week, I think on Busted Open that he's like, you know, we have a lot of these matches you know, the ring of honor stuff, like they've been defended on dark and elevation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while we may not have seen the ring of honor titles defended recently, they have been on those shows. Yeah. Um, well, and I don't really know, care so about if, the ring if, of honor stuff. That feels like it, that can be its own thing. And it will it's eventually totally separate be company. separate that like that will be separate. So, you know, if once the ring of honor stuff is on their own show and then we have say, Hey, maybe the Atlantic championship, that's just going to be a story for six weeks. That's just really going to be on dark elevation. One thing I wish they did do on dynamite more is when there is a story that is pretty much primarily taking place on dark and elevation, do a better job of like recapping that. Like for example, like Marina Schaffer, when she had her TBS title match, apparently she was getting built up on dark and elevation for weeks, months, even like having matches, getting the wins and losses, and it really felt like, boom, hey, she's a challenger now. They, they, I think they take for granted that all the fans watch that stuff. And we love AEW. We're big AEW fans. 
I haven't watched Dark or Elevation in ages because it's just too fucking much. Yep. So, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. You know, uh, I, I hope we get that trio's title. I would love something unique with the women, you know, some sort of women's championship or like, God, like even like even the X Division championship would be such a like a cooler idea, you know, yeah. mimicking that. You yeah, know. totally. Or uh, what was the belt in the uh, in, in uh, Lucha the Underground where like you had to, yeah, like the Gift of the Gods Championship where it can build to lead to something. Or if yeah. you said, hey, the All-In Championship, if you hold it for 100 days, you can cash it in. Or if you hit 10 title defenses, you can cash it in. At least yeah. where there's some sort I love stuff of like gimmick. That. Yeah. And I feel like other than Lucha Underground, like we haven't, and, and Impact, we haven't seen companies embrace kind of There is an argument to be made for seasons two Impact and being three. The best of Lucha Underground oh. <laughs> being the best wrestling ever to be put on television in North America. There is an really argument good. to be made for that. Dude. Like the level of creativity, the quality of the matches, like the, the perfect balance between hokey bullshit and supernatural yeah. storylines and hard hitting wrestling in the ring that, you know, the storylines made the characters seem like real people. Like, I don't know. There's something special there, and I think that a lot more promoters we should do, we and should bookers do a could, pod. could we learn do it. from that. We should do a spinoff pod where we just review Lucha Underground episodes. I mean, I think they're all on Tubi still. <laughs> I think you can watch them all for free. Yeah, we... <laughs> well, Joel, but... we've kind of connected every single topic so far. What's something else you wanted to talk about now that we've reached like the 30-minute mark? Well, you mentioned Wardlow, and I think we could spend a little bit more time talking about Wardlow because we do kind of feel like we're in an in-between phase at the moment. Um, And I want to talk about some things that I like um, because we try to be positive here, and I feel like we've done a fair amount of Mm -hmm. shit talking during that last segment. So bring it back around to a positive (laughs) thing. That's like the one shit talking we've done on this this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, we still haven't talked about spray um so more shit talking to come um oh, yeah, yeah. but um but yeah I, I really really enjoyed the class action 20 on one elimination match uh <laughs> I, I thought that was exactly the level of silly that it should have been like let's not try to put any drama or doubt into this match about like what's going to happen and what the outcome is. This is just yeah. an opportunity to see Wardlow do the thing that he was doing that got the fans so behind him in an actual sanctioned match. Um, and I liked some of the creativity of the Wardlow hitting security guards with other security guards, piling them on top of each other for like <laughs> multiple pins. And I thought this was just like chaotic fun. And then I also really enjoyed the bit after the match with Tyron Woodley and the other uh, MMA guy when they got in the ring and he was like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, why, why, why are we fighting? We don't need to do this. Like we can, if you want, I'm ready to go, (laughs) but like we could just chill. And, you know, you never expect that kind of thing to work, but of course, like the crowd wants to cheer the big celebrity and, you know, give them that opportunity. So, you know, we had kind of a face turn from uh, Woodley Mm -hmm. and, you know, the end result is that the sniveling lawyer gets power bombed and, you know, that's fun. This was a fun segment. 
yeah, you know, it's 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 not not one I'm probably gonna look back at the end of the year and be like, ah, segment of the year. But it was fun. It's also kind of ridiculous. Wardlow, 20 on one. Like, like it's also like we've seen him punk security guards for months. So what makes you think 20 security guards can really do anything? Um, but I did like that. It was called the class action handicap match. Like yeah. it, it was just it was fun. It was interesting. Um, it seems like Wardlow's moving into a program with uh American top team and the men of the year, which I really just want like Sky's title reign has not been like the the TNT title reigns of the past. Like I don't feel like he's he's just putting out bangers every week, even though we know he can. Like I don't know. I've I the first like year and a half the TNT title belt was just awesome match after awesome match for after awesome match. And so I think I have kind these, of an answer to that. Um, okay. Because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the TNT title has been at its best when it's held by a babyface. Like, similar yeah. to the problem that we talked about with like face champions before, and, and talking about Thunder Rosa, um, like the TNT belt being like this workers' belt. I'm going to defend this night in, night out, John Cena open challenge style. Like that was when the TNT title was at its best. Heels don't do that. And I think no. that's something where you need to get a little bit more creative with figuring out how to return the belt to its glory. Um, and I think Wardlow is someone who actually could really do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the shortest reign before the back and forth early this year was like, Brody Lee, he had it for like 50 days and then Cody won it back. Like, I mean, Cody's reign was shorter, but other than that, like Darby held it for half a year. Miro held it for almost half a year. Um, like, and even Miro, like, cause Miro was a heel, but he, he fought every week. It seems like, um, well, and, cause it's and part Miro of his character one, to kind of be yeah. like an ass kicker. And I think that's the kind of thing, Scorpio right? So like, it's, like, like Miro as a heel champion can do his whole like, oh, I'm going to redeem you. And like, I, I loved from this week after his match with Ethan Page, how he got down and like, you know, was pretending like minister to Ethan Page after he kicked his ass. And <laughs> like that aspect of his character makes him more interesting as a heel because he can do things that are not like traditional heel behaviors i love the heel who doesn't think of themselves as a heel because then they're less likely Mm -hmm. to do the kind of like slimy things to duck challenges and we get more matches and just a different flavor of what the villainous heel champion can be like yeah pretty much since sammy won the belt from cody in the ladder match i haven't really cared about the TNT title itself because we had the bullshit that was the, well, I guess Sam is a heel now and then not really knowing how to handle it. Then the continuous, Oh, you're going to get Paige Van Zant in a match at some point. Like it just kept getting dragged on and on and on. And you know, like Scorp- like it's been Scorpio's guys held the title for 50 days since he won it at battle of the belts or no wait, whenever he won it in April. And it just seems like, what is he, like what has he done with it? Like what have what have been the highlights? Like 
that first Cody reign, we can talk about all the different matches he had that were just fantastic. And yeah, I just missed that. And Scorpio Sky is totally capable of doing that too. They just, I don't know how if they, have their book, if they know how to book him as a heel workman right yeah it's weird i do feel like the sammy and ty booking really screwed the tnt championship because it's just been such a mess and honestly like the fact that sammy is now back with jericho it's like congratulations you just got demoted back to being a flunky yeah like you did not pass the test of being a solo wrestler you know you now have to be you know a lieutenant again uh because you couldn't hack it uh, which isn't true, right? It's not Sammy's fault. The booking was fucking awful. And, you know, it, it, yeah. See, I, I've rather enjoyed Sammy since he's leaned into just being a heel again. Like him him and Ty Conti as like, oh, these annoying in love, going to over-sexualize everything. Like that can work. You don't have to be Latress sex gods with Jericho. Like, that's a menage I never want to fantasize about. Like, ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, so why are they giving us that? So, yeah, but it does, like, in story, it does feel like, you know, Sammy walking away from the inner circle was a big deal. You know, it's like he's t- ready to go do his own thing. And he had multiple title reigns in that in that separation. And it's just, I don't know. I actually enjoyed the the Jericho Ortiz stuff from the beginning of the show. It is yeah. a nice swerve because usually when there's hair versus hair, it's not the baby face who's losing his hair. It's the bad guy. Like it's a way to embarrass the bad guy, but kind of the craziness of Ortiz cutting his hair in the mm-hmm. ring, screaming blood and guts into the mic. Like you could see that Jericho, Sammy and uh, Hager were, they looked scared. They looked uncomfortable. It's like, Oh God, this guy's fucking crazy. Um, yeah. I, so I really enjoyed that. Them coming out during the Tanahashi Moxley stuff was just yeah one. Okay. One, when you come out and say, I'm Chris Jericho and you're in my spot, give me my spot. We're going to kick your ass. And then he immediately announces, actually, never mind. I'm in another match at Forbidden Door was Mm -hmm. just really stupid. Like if you're out there to take your spot, why would you then say, never mind? I'm in a, a, a trios match with my guys here and against Eddie Kingston and people like that just seemed really weird and strange to me. And Tanahashi Moxley is a big deal in its own right. Yep. They've never faced each other. This is a huge title match. This is your main event. You don't need like if they felt they needed to input Jericho because Tanahashi doesn't like, like, and I've heard him speak English before. It's, you know, it's not, you know, he can do it maybe not on a live mic, but you don't need to add Jericho to that situation. If, if you know how Tanahashi screamed, shut up to Jericho. Mm-hmm. If he did the exact same thing to Moxley, when Moxley's talking all that shit, it's mm-hmm. even more impactful. So that was really weird. It really kind of took me out of this segment. Like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I feel like Lance Archer and Desperado doesn't move the needle and and they're not even in the match at forbidden door like, yeah like they're not even going to be in that trios match so what you're just going to use them next week and then they're gone even if you wanted to still have jericho in this segment like have jericho come out get in the ring 
And then Suzuki comes out and acts like he's going to, you know, go after Jericho. Jericho. And then they both turn on Tanahashi and Moxley. And, you know, and then maybe we get like a tag match ahead of Forbidden Door to like, you know, Suzuki Goon adjacent Mm -hmm. against Moxley and Tanahashi. And like, okay, that's really cool. That's a match we would all get really excited about and would just promote the pay-per-view broadly. Like, hey, these are the kind of talents that you're going to get to see on this show. But this segment just felt messy and overbooked. Um, Yeah. So, you know, another thing that like I'm I'm having issues with the build to this pay-per-view when Jericho announced that tag match. Sorry, I love wrestling, but there's a lot of it. I don't know who the fuck Shota Umuno is. Some like you have to give us you have to assume that the American audience doesn't know everything about every wrestler in NJPW. I know there's a huge crossover. Does have a like connection and history with Moxley. Like, and and I I think he's one. I I think he's one that because of his proximity with Moxley, that it's a little bit more reasonable. Um, And like he did, didn't he refer to him as like your buddy? umino or something yeah, like they, that like they did but i get what you're saying I, I just that one didn't particularly bother me well i guess it's a lot of things see so like for example how they've kind of displayed um osprey and yeah. what's his faction called what's his faction united called? empire united empire they've done a really good job of letting us know who will osprey is who the united empire is and why we should care that they're here. They've made him feel mm-hmm. like a big deal. And we we could talk forever about the off out of the ring stuff of Will Ospreay, but from an in-ring style and as a professional wrestler like the dude is a is a stud. And what we've seen here the last 2 weeks with him like we actually I like I actually care that he is going to face Orange Cassidy. And it makes sense because he's gone through everyone else with the best friends and FTR. And now Orange Cassidy is back. And that match should be great because we know Orange Cassidy can really bring it. So, yeah, before he I just, came out, um, my wife and I were watching and like both of us were like, you know, it'd be really interesting. Osprey and Orange Cassidy. And if that's where this is going, yeah. then I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And, and I know we're God, we're at 42 minutes, but. Real quick, that Osprey Dax Harwood match, five. Oh my god, like, what a match! And so I, you, it wasn't. I, I got a bag on Osprey just for a hot second. Like I loved mm-hmm. all the people on Twitter being like, "Osprey's out here wrestling like rent is due," because it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> just referencing yeah. the Seth Rollins uh, calling him broke, and I just I love mm-hmm. that. It's so funny to me. Oh, when he debuted a few weeks ago, all of Twitter was like, someone better, like, all the reaction just of what Seth Rollins is doing right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, But this match was incredible. And just the impact and how vicious every strike, every punch, every kick looked was wild. And I texted you yesterday, like, Dax Harward just proves to be way better than I ever thought he was. And I we always had a pretty healthy respect for the revival <laughs> and this, this, this just like last six months for FTR and Dax in particular, just goes to show how good they both are. Ugh, I'm excited. Well, I think people for... forget that before the revival was a thing, 
Scott Dawson was the gatekeeper to new talent in NXT, right? Mm-hmm. You debuted, you had a few matches against randos, and then you had a match with Scott Dawson. And that was like your last stop before you then got into a feud with whoever was holding the title. And he was that guy who could go out and just have a great match with anybody. It didn't matter what style they wrestled. Like he was that dude in NXT for, for quite a while. And, and that was my introduction to him. And I was like, man, this guy's really, really sound as a wrestler. And you just see the effort that he's been putting in. Like it, it is absolutely clear the improvement that he has made. And it's, it's amazing because usually when we talk about wrestlers getting better, we talk about them adding things to their repertoire. Like, oh, they're doing a bunch of new moves that look really cool and, and really good. And mm-hmm. with Dax, it's like he's doing the same shit he's been doing. He's just doing it all to a higher level. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of wild. Yeah, I do find it amazing that like the rival actually formed in NXT. You know, a lot of times tag teams come in together. And it's just kind of like amazing that they just happen to find each other <laughs> in NXT and it's become this like just incredible stuff. Um, anything, Joe, I feel like because of our time off, there's so many things we could talk about. Is there anything else you wanted to, to, Oh, actually there is one more thing I think we should talk about and then we can really go. The IWGP world heavyweight championship match. That is or is not going to be Jay White versus Adam Cole or Jay White versus Hangman Page. It seems really weird that we don't know what this match is yet. It's also very weird, and I hope it's a work because I can't imagine that them doing this show without Okada. But them just casually saying, "Oh yeah, Okada's not going to be there." It feels like we're getting worked because Okada has to be there, right? Yeah, I th- I think so. Um... I think this is one that it's too early to really talk about in any kind of depth, but yeah, that segment, like other than it making Jay white seem like one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. <laughs> didn't really Jay serve white a, is a badass. Purpose. Um, love Jay white. I bought Jay white stock super, super low. Uh, when he was on excursion in ring of honor, I was like, that dude's good. And uh, yeah, he has continued to be good and just gotten even better, like world class. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm looking forward to breathing with a switchblade uh, come Forbidden Door. <laughs> I, I think what ends up happening is because this, once again, I, I was talking to my buddy yesterday. One thing about NJPW shows, they always have a lot of multi-man matches because there's so many people they got to get on the cards. Um and, you know, I could real I could see this either being a tag match, Jay White and Adam Cole versus Hangman Page and Okada, or even a four-way, Jay White, Cole. And it, it seems like, too, because I think there's been reports that Cole's hurt right now, and they might just be kind of trying to figure out if he's going to be able to go for Forbidden Door. Same thing, like, I'm pretty sure Zack Sabre Jr. challenged Danielson after yeah. Dominion, but we haven't seen it play out because, once again, Danielson is hurt. And they're probably waiting to see if that actually can happen. So, um, and a tag match could make sense if Cole's limited because then we still get Okada on the show. It's, you know, the two former champions, you know, both Okada and Hangman Page lost their respective championships within the last month. Like you could easily say, okay, let's team up and kind of get our confidence back together. Or 
it could be, hey, let's fight each other and just see see if we uh, whoever's best. But yeah, it's a little confusing. Well, I still believe Forbidden Door is going to be a great show, but the build has been a little up and down. Well, I mean, with a cross promotional show like this, it's never going to be about storyline to the extent that it's going to be about mm-hmm. spectacle. And I think the matches that are set up are going to give us spectacle. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. It feels like a big deal. And if it's the start of a larger pattern, that's where some of these stories can really start to develop. Because right now we're dealing with stuff that happened before AEW was a thing. Like to your point, yeah. the Shota Umino uh, reference, like I was watching njpw at the time so that like was like oh cool reference but if you missed that if you weren't watching when moxley was Mm -hmm. in the g1 then that feels like it was something out of left field and i think that as this relationship continues moving forward some of these feel like familiar beats things that we've seen referenced previously or seen play out on aew television and aew pay-per-view programming so Mm -hmm. I i think this is a starting point. People need to treat it like that and not as like a one-time finished product. Cause I, I think that's a more accurate way of thinking about it. Yeah. And I, I hope that it's not, you know, Hey, forbidden doors over the following dynamite. It's just, we're moving on. Like it would be nice if there's, you know, a true relationship here where, okay, maybe Osprey sticks around for a few months, you know, before the G one or, Maybe Jay White and the Bullet Club stay over here for a little bit too, and vice versa. You know, like you get Danielson over there for a pay per view, Moxley over there for a pay per view. So when we, if we do get Forbidden Door Part Two next year, it can feel a little more natural. Like there's going to be stuff that's pre-existing. You know, like Agreed. hey, maybe at the next uh, Battle Royal they do or next ladder match. Two of the people are from NJPW, you know, NJP, NJPW strong guys or something like that. So, um, yeah. So, Joel, I think that's a good good spot to end today. It's been a little longer than normal, but um, is there anything else you want to say or or just wait till we get back? We're, we're hopefully back on a normal schedule for the time being. I know you're moving soon, but yep. we should be back in our normal cadence here soon enough. Yep, hopefully so. Fingers crossed. All right, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. Uh, you can email the pod at The Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. I always forget that part. You can find the podcast on TuneIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get them. We're there. Give us a, uh, a like, a follow. And uh, Joel, anything, uh, anything else before I go add Christian Wood to the Dallas Mavericks and NBA 2K? Uh, join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.